you know, we've been talking about how we can worship the Lord, whatever the storm is, whatever the situation, and then this very thing happened to Kristen, so we need to hear from her. Tell us what happened to you. Yeah, so I have a wild story for you, but before I do, I just have a quick word that I thought the Lord gave me during worship. Um, Burke had asked, um, what uh, descriptors, who do you say I am? And I felt, I just like saw pictures of dirty hands, muddied and bruised and just like dirty with guilt and shame. And I felt like the Lord said, um, I am the cleanser and giver of righteousness. And um, I just felt an invitation for anybody who just feels like everything you touch is muddied by the dirtiness that you carry. I thought the Lord said, come to my pool of righteousness and I will make you clean. Um, and it's not just this physical outward cleanliness. I also heard him just speak to the purity of heart and having a clean heart and being pure inside and out. So if that is you, um, I just would encourage you um, just sit with the Lord for a moment, maybe to the person next to you and ask them to pray with you. And um, the Lord will give you um, cleanliness that you cannot attain on your own. Um, praise the Lord. Um, so a few weeks ago, uh, a couple weeks ago during the storm, I was out in South Tulsa um, at like 91st and Yale area babysitting. And the plan was that I would babysit from like 7 to um, 11 um, or something like that. Um, and when the dad left, he was like, you know, I'll just text you if we'll be back a little later. I'm like, bet, no big deal, no problem. I'm chilling on the couch, trying not to fall asleep. And um, while I'm sitting there, the storm alarms are going off, and I'm like, what's that? <laughs> because, of course, I've been sitting there. It's so calm and so quiet that I'm almost falling asleep that for these storm alarms going off, I'm confused. And I'm like, okay, so I like, start looking outside, make sure the kids aren't awake and afraid, you know, based off of the things in there, sound asleep, thank the Lord. And um, I, I'm like trying to look at my phone, I'm really bad at trying to find like which app shows me the, the sky, you know? Um, and so I'm like trying to find it. My friend's calling me and she's like, uh, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Um, anyway, I'm just sitting there, I'm like, okay, well, it's gonna be fine. The dad texts, he's, a, he's gonna be a little bit later. I'm like, fine, no big deal. So he eventually gets there, and he's like, yeah, yeah, this is what's going on. He shows me his map because he knows how to find it. And he's like, so this is the situation. This is where we are. This is what's going on, and this is what's coming. And I was like, oh, shoot. Let me, you know, hurry up and get out of here. He goes, if you leave now, you can get home just in time. So, and if any of you guys know me, I know how to accelerate very well um, <laughs> with expediency and great efficiency. And so... Um, but it just so happened that this doggone neighborhood happened to be all the way back in the middle of this neighborhood. Like, I noticed it when I got there. I just kept going right, 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 and then left, and then right, right. I was so deep into this neighborhood, and it had speed bumps, and I was like, come on. So when I was leaving, of course, I'm like revving on the engine and then slamming on my brakes to go with the speed bump, and I was just like so deep in this neighborhood. I'm like trying to hurry up and get out. Finally get out. I live over in West Tulsa, so the fastest way... Um, is to like, I usually just hop on Riverside and then go across, across the river and then over. Um, and so I was like, let me just, let me just all tail and get there. And so I'm driving and the windows are down. Like it is quiet. I mean, just so still. That should have been an indicator for me. I love the movie Twister and I grew up watching it. It's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so 
I was like, they always talked about the calm before the storm. And um, I just should have known. <laughs> it was too quiet for anything to, good to happen afterward. Um, and I'm driving. The windows are down. I'm speeding around cars who, the little cars who are out were driving so slow. I don't know why. Um, and I need new tires. And so um, it, car doesn't drive well in good weather, but in rain, um, just the traction is not very good. And so I knew this, and I'm like, okay, I need to not be driving in the rain, especially in extremely high winds, so I need to get home. So I kept telling myself, if I need to pull over, I need to get to a quick trip. I know there's a safe place. I can park there, and it'll be fine. Then I was like, I drove, pa drove past a quick trip on the way, and I was like, I don't need to stop. It's still really calm. I can make it home. It went from nothing to everything in 60 seconds. And so I'm on Riverside, and it starts to rain a little bit. So I roll up my windows. This little bit of rain turned into huge gusts of wind. And my car is going jerk, jerk. And I'm like, oh, shoot. I can't make it uh, down Riverside, let alone across the river at this point. So I'm like, OK, make it to the next quick trip, which is that 71st in Riverside. So I'm like, just get to 71st and then make it to the next quick trip. And it was literally seconds between my options dwindling at this moment. I knew what I couldn't do was stay in my vehicle. Um, and it's also during a tornado. It's the worst place you can be um, beside just being flat out outside. Um, and so I was like, I got to get out of this storm. I got to get out of my vehicle. Quick trip quickly dwindled as my car was like rushed around. And I'm like literally like, oh my gosh, I can't keep steady. So I'm like, let me go to my job. I'm on Riverside. My, my job is just like... 0.5 miles just up and to the right. And so I was like, okay, I can make it to my work. And then I could just sit there and take shelter. And then another gust of wind came. And I'm like, nope, can't make it to work. And I was like, I just have to get off of the road now. So um, at this point, there was nobody else on the road. I veer off to this apartment complex. And I just, I just pull over and I get out the car. At this point, I mean, every second is increasing the strength of the storm. Um, and at this point, it was literally like something out of Twister. I pull up to this apartment complex and I get out. I look up at the sky just to see what was happening. And the clouds are just swirling. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm underneath this. Like it's literally right above me. And all of a sudden the electricity starts to, like literally out of a moody, you can hear it going zzz, zzz, And I'm like, you can see it flashing and hear it buzzing. And I'm like, good grief, what is happening? And I was like, let me just run up to one of these apartments and knock on the door and ask them for shelter during this storm. And so I jump out of the car, and it's starting to crash. And literally every step of thing that's going on, this all happened in like 60 seconds, from rolling up my windows to jumping out in the middle of an apartment complex. Um, and I am cowering. I like grab my purse, jump out of the car, leave my phone, of course. Um, and I just run to the apartment door, the first one that I see. And I knock on the door. And the woman on the other side goes, can I help you? And at this point, it's loud. So I'm yelling, yes, I'm so sorry. I just need help. Um, I, uh, I'm driving by. I don't live around here, but I just need a spot to a shelter from the storm. And then it's silence on her side. It was not silent anywhere else. Um, and so I was like, you know, I, I, and I, I just in me, I, I just knew that she was afraid. I just felt it in my spirit. And I was like, I'm not here to hurt you, I promise. And at this point, the sky's like, cracking and I'm, I'm shaking at this point. I get to the point where every jolt of lightning and every crack of thunder, I, I just begin to shake and I'm 
kind of cowering between the building and the door in her corner, and I'm just talking to this woman on the other side of the door. I, I, I recognize that she's afraid, so I know she's not going to open the door, so I run to the back of the building, down this corridor, and I go to the next apartment complex, and I knock on the door, and these dogs start barking so loud. I start yelling my spiel, I'm here, I need help, I'm not going to hurt you, da 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 But I know they can't hear me, because it's barely audible over the storm, but then they have dogs barking. So I'm like, let me go back to the place where I know there's a woman. So I went back to this door. I know she's there. I heard her voice. And so I knock on the door again. At this point, now I'm crying. Um, and I'm like, I'm literally shaking. And it, the storm is still increasing in strength at this point. And I'm like, OK. I go back to the back of the building. And I go to the other door across from the one with the dogs. Knock on their door. Nothing. At this point, I'm like, I have to try this woman's door one more time. I know she's there. So I know that there's help behind this door. And so I, keep, I go back to the door one more time. This time, I just knew in my spirit, she was afraid. She stopped talking to me. She didn't say anything after, after how can I help you. There was no more words. And so I was like, okay, she's not going to answer the door. And so I found myself sitting there in the corridor of this apartment complex with the literally everything going crazy around me. The power had gone out at this point, so it's dark with, except for the flashes of lightning. And I go into the corridor, and I'm shaking, and I'm crying, and I say, if anybody can hear me, if anybody can hear me, I need help. I just need shelter from the storm. Um, and um, then I, I just felt myself getting so anxious. And so I just put my back against the wall, and I said, okay, Lord, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Where do I go? And then um, it was wild, because the one door out of the four in that like, corridor the one door I hadn't tried, it never even occurred to me to go to this door. All of a sudden, it was like, go to that door. Well, I had to kind of go out and around the steps. I didn't really want to go out <laughs> of any type of shelter at this point. So I was like, okay, well, I got to go out and around the steps and get to this door. And I did. Before I even get to the third knock, the door opens. And I said, and at this point, I'm shaking and I'm crying. And I'm like, I just need to do this. And they said, it's okay, come in. And they opened the door. And before I knew it, I was in this you know, dark house with random people I'd never met. And there are five teenage boys all with their arms, hands on me, saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Come sit, come sit, it's okay. They spoke no English. Not a lick of English. Um, I studied Spanish in school, and so at one point, I was good at it, you know, enough to communicate. I have not used it in years since I've graduated. My Spanish is terrible. <laughs> it's not quite that so great, but I can understand and I can communicate moderately. Um, and so I just, I'm into this, in this house and I'm starting to assess what's going on and I hear familiar words. And I'm like, what is, what is that sound? I hear the word Jesus, Jesus, and a nombre de Jesus. Oh, she's saying in the name of Jesus. Okay, I recognize this. She's saying, uh, sangre de Jesus. Oh, she's saying the blood of Jesus. Oh, she's saying, and I start to recognize prayer, and I start to recognize praise. I hear the word glory, and I hear the word blessed, and, I, and I'm like, oh, oh, she's praying. The sound had never stopped from the moment I walked in the door, it, and then I just got down enough to where I was able to hear her. She grabbed my hand, and she is praying the blood of Jesus over me and over her household. The kids at this point had, had gone back and retreated to their shelter um, for the storm. 
And I'm sitting there shaking on this woman's couch, and she's praying. And I'm sitting here, I'm just assessing what just happened. I was just driving home. I was on some random guy's couch a minute ago, it felt like. Now I'm in this random other person's house, now afraid and shaking and crying and wet from the rain. And um, all of a sudden, I just felt the Lord start speaking to me. This whole week leading up to it, I had convinced myself that there was no help coming for me. I told myself that help isn't coming. I'm on my own. I got to just buckle down and do it. I had given myself this direction and said, listen, the sooner you get this, the easier this is going to be moving forward. You are on your own. So in the middle of all this, I went from shaking, crying, to recognizing the praises of the Spanish-speaking woman to the Lord speaking to that very lie that I had believed in that in moment. I felt like the Lord said, stop saying help isn't coming. Help is here and help is on its way. <laughs> then he said, I am your ever-present help in your time of need. I'm at this point shaking now, not from fear, but shaking from awe. I'm like, God, what are you doing? Who is this woman? What are you saying? Like, what even just happened? How did I get here? It felt like in that moment as he was speaking to me that this entire storm happened so that he can corral me and show me he's my help. At that moment, I felt bad. I was like, oh, Lord, all these people have to suffer this storm because you had to talk to me. <laughs> I was like... I was like, you, you needed to, I, you couldn't speak to this stubborn woman in any other circumstances, so there had to be this storm that I happened to be outside in, and everybody else now has to suffer because of it, so sorry. <laughs> she continues to pray and praise, and I began to realize I needed this woman. I began to realize I needed her, and I said in my terrible Spanish, I needed you for tonight, and she said, oh, I know. So I was like, okay, well, it was obvious. I was, you know, outside your door. Um, I, don't, I couldn't explain, though, in my Spanish in what ways I needed her. I didn't know how to express it. Um, and then out of that, we both began to praise together. Um, and in my English and broken Spanish, we just praised the Lord. Fast forward, we are, it's calmer, er, it's still crazy outside, it's calm in the house now. I remember her kept, she kept praying peace in the amount of peace that would wash over me every time she prayed. I began to feel just such peace. There's this five-year-old boy who was, you know, retreated into the back room. He kept coming out randomly, and he would come out, and he'd put his hand on my chest, and he would say, Jesus is in you, and Jesus is here. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> and he would run away. <laughs> and then he would come out again, and he would say, he'd say, abuela, 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 grandma, grandma, grandma. Jesus is here, and Jesus is in her. Amen, amen, amen. And he would run away. And this happened multiple times. And I got to the point where I just began to be so blessed by this little boy because he brought such a big smile on my face every time he came out with this giant smile. And his grandma kept saying, if you don't get back in that room, go back. And he would, he would come out, he'd be like, oh, Jesus is in you. Jesus is here. Amen, amen. And then he'd run away. And I just sat there, and I just remember being so grateful, and I was just praying and praising the Lord in this random person's house. Then at, this, at a certain point, um, she calls her daughter. They are talking. She tells her about me. And um, she gives me the phone, and she's like, praise the Lord that you're here. Praise the Lord that you found our home. 
And uh, I was like, yes, amen. I'm still stunned at this point. Like, I'm, I'm praising him and I'm understanding the Lord, but I'm still stunned. Um, and we get to the, like, end of everything. It's calmed down. Where the grandma says to everybody, come, come sit around this table. All five of her grandbabies are in the house and her husband. And they're all young teenage boys except for the five-year-old. Um, and she says, we're going to sit around this player table and we're going to thank the Lord for what he's done. He's protected our home. And the daughter had come home at this point, and she walked in the house. It was like I had known her forever. She walked in. She said, thank God you're here. Hello. It's so good to see you. And then she starts praising the Lord. Bless the Lord. He's so good. He's so faithful. And I'm like, I'm first of all thankful I can even understand. There's no English. And so I'm like, thank God I can understand what they're saying and how we can communicate minimally, but still. We sit around the table, and we pray, and we thank the Lord. And then she says, do you know this song? And I said, no. And she said, we, know, we have an English translation. So she plays the English translation. And we start worshiping the Lord around this table. The little boy sitting on his mom's lap, um, praying and praising the Lord. Whenever I left, they hugged me and said, you have family now. We are your family. And they gave me a bottle of water and a sleeve of crackers. And they all stood outside of the door as I left, as if I was coming to visit. Um, after a long time, and they were seeing me off. I went home, and it was like 2.30 in the morning, something like that, 2.45, I don't know, it was late. And I'm stunned. I'm weeping at the Lord. I'm driving home, and I'm just weeping. I'm like dodging trees. You know, it's dark, <laughs> and so I'm just like, you know, doing that, and I finally get home, and I'm weeping, and I, I just got to call my husband. So I call my husband, and I tell him what happened. We rejoice, and we praise, and I said, okay, it's time. To, I got to hang up now. I'm tired. And I went to sleep. My phone died, of course. And I wake up, and I'm like, my phone is dead. I don't have any food. I'm hungry. Let me go find some food and find somewhere to charge my phone. And so I'm like, Let's, let me get out. And I got in the car, and I opened the door, and the first thing that I saw in my hungry state was the bottle of water and the sleeve of crackers that she, they had given me when I left. And it was as if the Lord had began to just give me help even before... <laughs> I knew I needed it. Throughout that entire week, I saw places where the Lord showed up and gave me help. And it was even to the point where the Holy Spirit, like I'd be doing something, I didn't even notice it. And he would say, this is help. And I'd be like, oh, oh, this is help. I wouldn't have had this in another scenario. And I began to weep throughout the week, seeing the Lord's hand and help. Um, and so I just want to encourage you all. Um, help is here. And help is on its way, and he is our ever-present help in our time of need. How about that? Who said following Jesus was boring? <laughs> Speaking of which... Um, I'm gonna. I'm calling an audible here. We're gonna do something a little different. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna teach. Keith, come on up, please. If that's okay with you, I didn't tell him I was gonna do this, um, but I know Keith well enough to know um, he's gonna be fine. If you don't know Keith, Keith, uh, Keith spent last 35 years of his life carrying a wooden cross around the world. Um, which, not figuratively, literally carrying a cross around the world. And, and I, I consider Keith kind of like a sign from God. 
And what I mean by that is, like, like what's your job? He's a sign from God. He, he's like a, a Jesus ad. Um, <laughs> is that good? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's man. <laughs> yeah, it's way above. Now, this dude, I love this man because he knows Jesus, and, and he's messing me up um, as he shares his time. We spend time together talking about our mutual obsession, this guy named Jesus. And, and Keith's in town just for a few days on his trip. We've been te- we text back and forth as he's traveling. And I've just been feeling to pray for you. And then you shared just a couple of things that, that happened just over the last few weeks that have blown my mind, um, specifically the Amsterdam stuff, just because I've been there. And so um, here's the deal. We're in a series about worship. So we're worshiping. You follow so this is what Kristen was worshiping, okay? So, so what I like to do is just also be flexible if Jesus wants to do... If he, if he wants worship a different way, let's let him, let him get what he wants, right? So Keith, tell us a little about, about this trip and particularly what you saw at the Red Light District in Amsterdam. Um, Jesus really is worthy of all our praise. He's worthy of everything. And uh, probably this, this story would, would be uh, much, much better. I know she's not going to do it, but my fairy tale princess, is, she's already shaking her head, so um, it's, it's not, going, not going to happen. But, uh, she, you know, she's pretty amazing. Uh, she's, she's been with me through a lot of journeys. And uh, this, this trip, she saw stuff. And, and, and I, I think the reason that I'm, I'm saying this, particularly about Amsterdam, we've, we've carried the cross before in the Netherlands. And, uh, but I've, I've been to a lot of times through the Amsterdam airport, but I've, I've never carried the cross in Amsterdam. And... Uh, just what it did in her life. It was, it was so obvious and, and, and so powerful. Um, let, let me just back up just a moment, though, and, and tie this in with worship. For me, ministry is simply the overflow of a life lived in love with Jesus. And so often people are asking about how to reach out to others, how to evangelize others, how to share the gospel with others. Really, it's, it's the overflow of living with Jesus. And whether you have a, if, if the only time I'm talking to people about Jesus is when I have a cross on my shoulder, uh, I'm a hypocrite. If the only time that I talk to people about Jesus is when I go to Amsterdam, I'm a hypocrite. Um, I, I hope I don't go on a on mission trips. I hope that every moment is is a mission. Um, I, I want to be a worshiper. I, I want to worship him in spirit and truth. If that's what he's searching for, I want to be that guy. And, and then he ties that with rivers of living water flow out of our out, out of our soul. Um, This trip, uh, we were in Lithuania and Montenegro, and Amsterdam was the, the jumping-off place 
you know, is kind of the headquarters. God willing, we leave again on, on Friday to go the other direction. Um, but what we, we saw, and, and I want to be encouraging, is, is when you're in love with somebody, you don't really have to do a lot. When you're in love with Jesus, people are drawn to that when, there's, when there is darkness. And, and I, I want to say this in, in a very appropriate way. There was, there was a really, really huge international evangelism conference taking place in Amsterdam while we were there. But my, my thought was, if, if all the flashlights are in the parking lot, then there needs to be some flashlight out in the darkness. Does, does that make sense? And, uh, and I, I don't want to ever take away from conferences. We need to go and we need to be encouraged. But as, as we begin to walk through the streets of, of Amsterdam, I wish I could tell you the stories, but I can't because we're in church. Um, but we heard stories of incredible pain and sorrow and brokenness. And we saw Jesus shine his light into that darkness. Many of you are familiar with the red light district, and I, I think I can be as general there. But we had some of these ladies that would come and talk to us. There were bouncers and security guys that wanted to visit with us. Um, I'm trying to think of how I can say some of this in... <laughs> In, well, no, no, I mean, it's, I, I want to be sensitive to, to everybody here, but I, I think that's, that's the, the challenge is that, that I sometimes have because my, the life that God has called us to live, and really he's called all of us to live this life, is where people really are. And, and that's where there really is real brokenness. And, and where there's real brokenness, there's, there's real honesty. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of, of heaven. But sometimes we get really good at this stuff and, 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 and it's, it's hard to communicate it. But, but I, I want to say that um, we, we visited with a, with a man who, beginning at seven years old, his, his parents ran one of these shows that's in that district that's not a movie. Every, everything's live. From seven years old, and, and many of the women that were used in this show helped him do his homework. Can you imagine the questions that this guy has? And he, and he wants to come, and he sits there with us an hour I, got, I don't want to exaggerate. He, sharing his story and, and being honest and then some of his friends and, and you've got this, this whole community that it's so easy for us to be really angry with and, and maybe have questions about the LGBTQ and, and I know there's been some new letters so forgive me if I'm leaving out any but, but they would want to sit with us and, and it wasn't just them. Then, then there were the the people on the fancy houseboats that are there that would invite us into their boats, into their homes. And 
Then there were, there were there's a wealthy reunion going on here. Um, I'm doing a horrible job because I, I can't really express the rawness of it. Um, that I, I felt a little more free sharing with, with Guile. We went from there to a place called Lithuania. And um, Lithuania is on the other side of the spectrum. They actually have a hill there that's, that's in, in some ways famous around the world. It's called the Hill of Crosses. Uh, if, if you've got your phone, it actually is okay to maybe Google search a picture right, right where you are. Just kind of look it up. Hill of Crosses in Lithuania. They have over, for sure, over 100,000 crosses on this hill. Some say as many as 200,000 crosses. It was destroyed by the Soviets over and over again. It, it, the number varies. But here's the thing. When you start talking with these people, and, and let me just say, that hill is really cool. They've got crosses as tall as the ceiling. Some are, and they're handmade. And, and then they've got others, and the ground is littered with crosses, and there's crosses hanging from crosses, and there's crosses in the trees. It's pretty amazing. And we carried the cross there and carried it through there. And, and yet there's people there who don't know the story about Jesus. So they've got crosses every place, but they don't know the story of Jesus. And, and the story of Jesus is, and let me just tell you, it's here in Tulsa too. One guy wanted to know why I was carrying a gate down the road. Someone else, and, and I'm not exaggerating, someone else wanted to know why I was carrying a giant plus. What was I advertising? <laughs> but it's even funnier. We carried the cross in Montenegro up to this, this beautiful monastery. It's, it's carved in, this, in the cliff. And uh, as, as we're leaving, as we... <laughs> As we're leaving, um, this monk comes running out after me, and he wants to know where I got my cross. And for those of you who don't know, it's 12 feet tall and it's 6 feet wide, so it's, it's a big cross, and he wants to know, where did I get my cross? And I said, well, I, I actually made it. He said, where? I said, well, in, in the USA, and I've been carrying it around the world for 39 years, walking with Jesus and, you know, shared some of the things. Um, and he goes, oh, okay, I, I just thought maybe you were taking it from the monastery. <laughs> he thought I was shoplifting. <laughs> so, um, but wherever we were, wherever we go, there, there are people that are really, really open. And I think sometimes the ones that we think are going to mock or scoff are going to be those that are the most open. And they're going to be the hungriest. And I, I, I honestly can't say that I felt ever that, that they didn't want the cross there. And here's another, I, I just heard my wife yell at me, say, say this for sure. The young people. 
teenagers, college students, high school college students, so hungry. We would have groups of them gather around the cross for a long, long, long time asking great questions. In Germany, they have to take religion class. Isn't that cool? But they didn't understand the cross. And they thought their religion teacher, there was a whole class of them that was taking a, a, a tour to Amsterdam, and they thought their religion teacher would give them extra credit if they took a picture with me with the cross. <laughs> but they stayed, and they talked, and they prayed. Many of them said yes to Jesus. Um, so so let, let, me, let me just... I loved it. I, one of my texts to Guile was just encouraging him. Thank you for leading the way that you're leading. And thanks for focusing us on Jesus and now on, on the worship of Jesus. Um, the glory, the beauty, the presence of God is, is probably the, the greatest truth of my life. I, I don't want to be Keith, the guy who's carried a cross. I want to be Keith, the guy who adores Jesus. I, I actually, I walked out of, during COVID, our my mother-in-law, Nicole's mama, was, was in the hospital at St. John's. And they've got a great chapel. I'm not talking about the one straight down. That's kind of a contemporary one. But there's one off on the side, and it's just a special holy place. And I've had, unfortunately had to spend a lot of time in this hospital, so I've spent a lot of time in this chapel. And I came out of the contemporary chapel one day, and this, this little sister from, from India she said, are, are you a door? And I said, I'm, I'm sorry. She goes, you're a door, aren't you? And, and I'm thinking, a, a door? I, I, I'm sorry, I don't understand. She says, no, you're an adorer, aren't you? I said, yes, ma'am. The next day, I'm coming out of the other chapel, and a little lady from South Korea, she said, I think you're a adorer, aren't you? I said, I'm not a door, but I'm an adorer. <laughs> you know, the, probably one of the greatest pictures of worship, I think in the Bible, is Mary of Bethany. She poured out everything she had at the feet of Jesus. And she gave it to him. But here's the beautiful thing about worship. He always gives back. Praise is just something that goes to him. It's spontaneous. It's based on situations. Praise the Lord. But worship is intentional. It's moving past the gates of thanksgiving. It's moving past the courts of praise. It's moving into the holy of holies. It's moving into the most holy of places. And it's not about ministering to others. It's about ministering just to him. And when we pour out our oil, that same fragrance that Jesus took with him to the cross was on Mary of Bethany wherever she went. And that's my prayer. That as we take a large wooden cross into a red light district, next week into some remote islands that you've never heard. New Caledonia, maybe you've heard of it. Kiribati, unless you're a geography freak, 
you've never heard of your body. And my prayer for you is that you sit at his feet, you pour out your oil, you pour out your love, and that wherever you go, his fragrance will rest on you. And others will say, you've been with Jesus. Can't you, can't you taste Jesus of that? It's like, Keith, you don't have to all the details right. We, we can feel what Jesus was doing. Um, so this weekend, this time, you know, we have July 4th on Tuesday, which is an awkward day for July 4th, isn't it? Is it try, everybody trying to figure out what to do with your Monday, right? Um, and I was kind of just wondering, Lord, did you want to, bring any attention to things about our nation. <laughs> and I lived through COVID, so I'm always hesitant. You think that's, yeah, a lot of PTSD uh, from post services. And I just felt like this, uh, the scripture, First Timothy chapter 2, what Jesus actually reveals his will for the United States. And I, I'm really appreciative of this place. Um, is anybody watching this show, The Silo? Okay, there's a few nerds in town. It's awesome. It's called Silo, and it's about this kind of dystopian environment where you got to be careful what you say or you get put in jail. Now, you need to know, that's not like made up. I've studied the Soviet Union's history. If you say the wrong thing today in Russia, things don't go too well for you, right? And as crazy as many imperfections and problems we have here in the U.S. of A., it is an amazing place. You just say all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and not go to jail, you know I mean? And particularly to worship Jesus. And, but I'm fascinated by Paul who's urging the church in Ephesus through Timothy of what do you do as a church in whatever nation you find yourself? And you got to remember, Ephesus is under Roman Empire domination. They're not voting for anything there, okay? And they're in Ephesus, where this is one of the wonders of the world, this temple to Diana, that is, is totally perverse in the way you do worship there. It's, it's a messed up place. It's a messed up place. And he's saying these, this small band of Christians in Ephesus, he says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. And what is the reason? That we may leave, live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. And here's God's will for Ephesus. Here's God's will for the United States of America who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. 
What is God willing for our nation as we remember and appreciate what we have and also are very aware of a great deal of brokenness? Here's what God wills for us. Who wants, he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. He's not saying anything about governmental structures. Those are important. But what is God most worried about? This fragrance of Jesus that Keith was talking about. This being in love with Jesus that he's talking about. I've been reading a book. Uh, it's an autobiography of a guy named Dave Grohl. And if you know who I am, you're from the 90s. Uh, he's the lead singer for Foo Fighters. And I can't necessarily recommend them, but their music's pretty cool to me. Um, and I read his story, and it just makes my heart weep. Who the guy has reached the height of what a culture that's worshipped something other than Jesus. What goes on inside the life of somebody like that? Now, Keith said it's a temptation, and they say, like, I could demonize this guy. Say, you're the reason there's so many problems in America. No, sin's the reason there's so many problems in America. Dave Grohl's sin and my sin. My sin. And I've met this Jesus who looks at my disastrous decisions and my idolatry and says, will you let me forgive you and restore you? I love you so deeply. And I find myself praying for this man, Dave that he'd know Jesus. And then it's, lo and behold, it turns out that's exactly what God's will is for him. Is that he would be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there's one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. So now Paul goes on to then say, here's how you enact this. He says in 1 Timothy 2.8, Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. This is a command from our Lord. Lifting up holy hands was in Judaism the posture of prayer. He's not saying just sing a worship song with your hands up. He said, I want you to intercede everywhere. Pray without anger or disputing. He's talking to the people of God. Can we hear this charge? To pray that all people everywhere know Jesus without arguing or disputing among ourselves. Because it's not the glory of Jesus. Does that make sense? So we're going to end today by standing. We're going to pray two different prayers. This first one is a prayer for us. Let's go ahead and stand. Keith led us into this so well that our evangelism, you could just say, is our romance. I mean... You don't want, see, I'll sell people on stuff I'm so sold about, even if they don't like it, just because I think it's so great. You know what I'm saying, right? I'll talk about what I'm really into. You want to know about anime? Ask Luke Kennedy. He's into anime. 
he will talk with you about it because he'll invert persecution over anime. It's wonderful. <laughs> he also is a deep lover of Jesus. <laughs> and if, if, if you don't know that love thing with Jesus, haven't seen his glory, I, I wouldn't want to talk about him either. What's the point? But he's so in love with us. The glory of what his beauty's like. We saw it with Moses. The height of God's glory is his love and his justice. And so we've been praying this prayer for several weeks that God would get us in this space where we'd be able to reflect his glory. And after that, we're going to pray for Oikos map, for those far from God. That just like it says in 1 Timothy 2, we would, without anger or disputing, we'd raise our hands in intercession and pray. So if you haven't seen this prayer before, read it. So if you want to pray it, you can mean it. It's based on Romans 12, 1. Okay. Now, if you want to agree in this, this prayer together, uh, let's pray it out loud together. Father, in response to how much mercy you have given us, Help us to offer to you our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. This will be our true and proper worship. Amen. Let's just stay for just one second. Kristen talked about mercy. She talked about it before her testimony after. The mercy that I just feel dirty. I feel like everything I touch is dirty. And here's the good news to know. You are dirty and so am I. The way isn't to convince ourselves that we're not dirty. We are. The only way out is the cross of Jesus Christ. The only way out is to say, Jesus, I cannot fix myself. Will you fix me? I'm telling you, that's why we can't work our way to being okay. We can't behave our way into being okay. There's no way out. We are dead in our sins. But we can say, I feel dirty, but Jesus, will you cleanse me? Will you wash me? Will you put me right? And if you feel like I've never sinned, then that's called self-righteousness. I'm serious. I'm doing fine. It's called telling myself I'm justifying myself. That's unhelpful because it's not true. We're all a mess. We need forgiveness. But the greatest thing ever is that Jesus has done everything to forgive us and to make us clean and just absolutely delightful before him. So let's take a moment and receive that now. Some of you just to receive the washing away of shame and guilt only by Jesus' death and resurrection. Just ask him. Some of us are really going to meet the love of Jesus in a new way. He looks on us. Romans 5, 8. While we are still sinners, Christ died. You don't have to talk yourself in that. I'm not, I'm not the bad guy. Yeah, you are. Jesus forgives you. He forgives us. He loves us right there. Oh, thank you, Lord. 
Okay, so let's go to this next slide. See, when we own our forgiveness, then we have mercy for those who need forgiveness. To bring, to say, Lord, bring them into the relief you're giving me. And I'm acceptable to you because you've made me that way. So we're going to pray for people that are in our relationship network that are far from God. So let's just bring those people to mind. Ask the Holy Spirit if there's somebody that you need to pray for right now. Some of these people nobody's praying for, and it's not on us, but get the priv- we get the privilege to pray for some people nobody's praying for. Now, you can use whatever words you want. In fact, let's just do that. Let's just take a minute. Use whatever words you want. And then we'll finish in a minute now, praying up that out loud together. But if there's any, anything, sometimes I ask Jesus, Jesus, what are you praying for this person? He's interceding at the throne of God as a high priest. What are you praying for Dave Grohl? What are you praying for these guys right now? Let's just say those prayers. It gives him to. Because I have the mic, I'll just pray it out loud. I pray Dave Grohl would find his true calling as a worship leader. Lead the worship of Jesus. Let's pray this out loud together. Lord, I pray for the people in my life who are far from you. Deliver them from the evil one. Bring them into your family and help them to grow as your disciples. Amen. Guys, love you. Be safe. Don't blow things up in your hands, please. We don't want any prayers of healing or hospital visitation this week. Okay, we love you. Have a great week.